So in the last episode, we talked about how to handle topics with your kids that are up for debate. So things, for example, like the bedtime, you know, you've decided the bedtime is this time. Here's why. Maybe there's a reason to move it later. In this episode, we want to talk about something that I think is a lot more important, which is how to handle things that are not up for debate. For example, specifically as Catholics going to mass every Sunday, how do you handle when your kids question things like that? Right. Um, And that's super important because when it comes to the things that are not up for debate, (laughs) uh, that doesn't mean that you don't talk about them. Um, It just uh, it does mean that it's really important and we have a direction that we're going. Um, And actually, it's more important (laughs) that we talk about why that is, uh, why we're heading that direction. Well, because the, the, the downfall to not giving your kids a reason for a decision is that at the point, because the, the reason that you give when you don't have a discussion is I'm the parent and that's the way it is. So when they turn 18, that no longer is the reason or that that, that no longer holds any water. Or, or if you say I'm the adult and, and this yeah. is how it's going to be. I mean, I mean, we say the parent, but you kind of mean I'm the adult. Well, when they become the adult, they're like, well, now I'm the adult and I say something different. <laughs> exactly. And if it's something that all along should have been up for debate, like a bedtime, then the worst case scenario is now they go to bed later. When I moved out of the house, I went from going to bed at 10 o'clock, 1030 to midnight or one. And I got to learn that that was not a great thing for me and went back to getting up early. But if the thing that they're choosing to reject because you pulled the parent or the adult card is one of the tenets of the Catholic faith, you're in a you're in a world of hurt at that point. Yeah, and I think that there's uh, one of the things that I've said with strong Catholic dad is that oftentimes when uh, when children reject uh, reject the faith, they're really rejecting you. And by that, what I'm pointing out is that um, that the faith, the what is the faith? The faith is a belief in God who is love. So it's a belief in love, a belief in loving relationship. And so if that understanding of the faith, being in a loving relationship, meaning that I'm seeking the best self-sacrificially for others, for the, for the other, and they're seeking my best. I mean, that's what the Holy Trinity is all about. So that's the goal of what we're trying to get across with the faith. And there are specific dogmas that we need to understand and, and abide by because all of those point back to a loving relationship and they form a, a loving relationship. So it's like, okay, well, that's, that's great. Um, we need to make sure that they understand uh, that they understand that uh, that concept of the faith. And when they're rejecting um, you, uh, what's what's happening is that like they haven't felt loved. And if they haven't felt loved, then they're going to turn around and say, "Well, and if this faith has something to do with the, the rejection that I felt, then I'm rejecting the faith." Um, and it's easier for them to reject the faith than it is for them to. It's like the proxy war thing. They can reject uh, the faith, which is a way of getting back at you because they're angry. But then there's this second thing that's really important as well, is that uh, when a child rejects the faith, this other part has to do with, well, how was the things that were not negotiable about the faith? How were the, how were those talked about? How were they presented? And it's really important that that we do talk about why we go to mass. Yeah, because in today's culture, I, I tend to be, I am have a melancholic streak to, my, streak to my temperament, which means that I tend to be 
really all about the rules. And so if you give me a rule, then I'm just going to follow it because that's the rule. And so things like going to mass every Sunday, making sure you go to confession, at least whatever it is once, twice a year, you know, all of these different like precepts of the Catholic church, I'm going to do them because I was told to do them. But that doesn't hold water in today's culture. I can't use that as a, as a bargaining chip, as an arguing point when I'm talking to other people. And so if your kids just do these things because that's what we're supposed to do when they get into high school and they have to answer questions to their friends or when they get into college and they have to answer questions to the professor or when they get into the work world and the people around them aren't following these precepts suddenly these we this is we do this because this is why we do it doesn't work anymore and there better be some sort of logic and explanation that went in you know underneath that right and that's not how god does it with us and i think that it's in that when it comes to uh, parenting, we need to say, well, how does God parent? And I want to bring us to a section in the catechism that talks about how God parents. Um, and he parents, first of all, and this section is 156. It was really enlightening uh, to me. And it's and it talks about faith and understanding and that like they're not separated from each other, it's like faith and reason. And so the first thing when it comes to like, why should we believe in God the, in the first place? Why should we trust the Catholic Church? What moves us to believe is not the fact that, that revealed truths appear as true and intelligible in the light of our natural reason, which is like, well, isn't it all about reason? Shouldn't it appeal to it? And it's like, no, the reason that we believe is because of the authority of God himself who reveals them and, and he can neither deceive nor be deceived. So what, what the catechism is, is telling us at, at, that, at that point is like, and they're going to address na- uh, the light of natural reason here in a moment and the intellect, but they're saying like at a base level, just think of a little child who's just born, that they, they begin to know the, the loving parent. And because the parent is loving uh, and because they're reaching out and helping and helping you to survive, um, that's good enough. That's, a, that's the starting point. Like I'm going to trust my parents because they love me and they take care of me. And the same way I'm going to trust God because he's God and, he's, and he's, he made me in the first place. So it's like, well, that's good enough uh, credentials. You made me um, and there's beautiful things around me. And it's like, okay, so I'm going to trust that you're loving. But then it goes on to say uh, be, uh, that so that the submission of our faith might nevertheless be in accordance with reason. And a little bit further down, it says, so that faith will, will by no means be a blind impulse of the mind. <laughs> so this is the good parent God. God willed that external proofs of his revelation should be joined to the internal helps of the Holy Spirit. And so like, what are these proofs? The miracles of, of Christ, like miraculous things happen. Uh, the mir- miracles of the saints, even miracles that are happening today. The prophecies, the church's growth, its holiness, its fruitfulness, its stability. And so one of the things that I find when it comes to the mass, this was helpful for me to say, well, I believe I believe that going to, the ma- going to mass, that we should do that. And I have several reasons um, for that. But uh, one of the things that I would often say when I was talking to people on the outside, like, well, why do you bother doing this? And I was like, well, and I would jump to, using this line of thinking, to the mir- to miracles, to talk about the miracle of Lanciano, that there's there's there was a priest who was, who wasn't so sure that that bread was actually becoming the body and blood of Christ. And so during the consecration in his hands, as he was consecrating the host, it actually began to bleed in his hands. And so he was somebody who was doubting. Um, and uh, as he saw that, he realized like, oh my gosh. And he said, it, he put it down on the patent and it not only continued to bleed, it became flesh. 
And it's a Eucharistic miracle, and it's called the miracle of Lanciano. And you can look on the internet today. Anybody can go look and see the flesh encased in glass um, that's human flesh. And that happened, whatever, four or 500 years ago. And so those miracles, so, it's in, so for me, having that discussion with my children, um, I, I'm, what, I, what am I doing? I'm giving them, um, giving them things that they can, they can believe in and say, well, that's, that's miraculous. Like, yeah, it totally is miraculous. Um, and so it's something that is, and can you, and that's like above our reason, because it doesn't make sense to our reason that bread should turn into flesh. That, that doesn't make sense. And when we have actual examples of that, then our reason has to say, wow, there are some things that I don't understand, but like I see, <laughs> like I see that that's really flesh and I begin to, I, that I need to trust. So when it comes into parenting our kids, this is one of uh, like these non-negotiables are some of the things that it's not negotiable to not talk about. <laughs> like we totally need to talk about these um, and to be challenged. If our, uh, if our, I remember at some point with you, you were bringing something up. Uh, you were a smart guy and you were asking me something. I was getting really heated in my response to you. And uh, Maria kind of pulled me aside and said, just hold on a second. So she pulled me aside and she said, uh, now who's the adult here? <laughs> and I was like, oh, I don't want to be the adult. <laughs> like I don't want to battle this thing out. And she said, you know, you're modeling for him how you want him to respond to you. Do you want him to respond the way that you're acting right now? It's like, no, I don't want him to act the way that I'm getting all flustered and angry about. It. It's like, okay, so, and I was like, oh, this is really hard. And she's like, I didn't say it was going to be, wasn't that it was going to be easy. Of course, it's going to be hard, but how are you going to do that? So then the the next step was, um, and her comment, you know, on wisdom, she said, you know, you need to understand that the, the that the thing, the way that the way that you're responding to John Andrew and the explanations that you're giving him, um, he's asking because he's being asked these same things too. He wants to know how to respond to his friends who would make fun of him for believing in the Eucharist. He wants to respond to, you know, know how to re respond to a boss or somebody else. The same thing was challenging him on, on his beliefs. So if you enter into it, which just gave me a whole new perspective on how to, to deal with you and you know, your siblings is to like, okay, to deal with it with calmness and say, okay, there is a truth that we can come to um, and to talk through what those are. And if you have a good response that I don't know how to answer that I can say, that's a good point. Let me look into that um, and not be threatened by it. And I think there was a point in my life where I was threatened. Like, well, I don't know if this is really true. Well, and if that's the case, then own it. Say like, well, that's, that's a good point. I'm not so sure about that. Um, because that's what I want you to say if you're not so sure about something. Um, but then to be able to come back and say, there is room here for me to go back and read, uh, read more and understand more. And these, uh, the, the, and again, the catechism beautifully points to miracles that have happened uh, throughout the centuries and are even going on now. There was one that happened in Poland about four or five years ago, a Eucharistic miracle. The, the bread turned into flesh and they look at it under a microscope. Actually, I don't think it was the one in South America where they, they looked at the, at the flesh and they, and they said, uh, this is living. <laughs> this is alive flesh. This is like, this is crazy. Um, and so what does that do? It also brings us to the third way in which it's important to, uh, to talk about the non-negotiables is it brings us to wonder and to awe because miracles and all of creation bring about awe when we realize the complexity with which things are made. And when we see how much bigger and better ordered things are than we can ever imagine, like on a molecular uh, scale, uh, scale and on a 
on a planetary scale, those things um, engender awe in us. And then through awe, it's easier to believe that like, well, maybe God can do this crazy thing of making bread into his own flesh. I, I heard an, and argument's the wrong word. I, I heard an atheist say that the reason that they're not Christian, the reason they don't believe in God is because when they look at creation they they have this wonder and they have this all and they want to know why it all happened and and that they're not bound by these just like well it's this way type things and i'm like that right there is like betrays this terrible misunderstanding of what faith in god is and what the purpose of faith is in the context of the rest of the world you know and 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 i love what you're saying about this sense of wonder because that really is like you're coming to know the most amazing being in existence, God, through the way that he put his hand in all of creation. And so science starts unveiling more and more about the creator and more and more about the way that he thinks. And it it actually gives you an opportunity for more wonder because you're not seeing all of these things as a set of chance. You're seeing like the hand of the creator and learning about him through his work. If you with your kids treat faith and treat these non-negotiables as just a set of rules and like that's where we are and that's it, then you're engendering within them this mentality about faith that precludes wonder. And we're made for wonder. Right. Yes. Yeah, one, heaven, awesome. heaven is going to be eternal, the eternal wonder of the presence of God. We're made for that. And if you're cutting that off, you're cutting that off at the roots by the way that you look at your faith in the first place, your kids are, are right to reject that. Because they're rejecting a lie that that's what 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 faith is. Right. Yeah. And I, I think uh, for me, it was uh, it was a big epiphany. I had uh, I was down in Mexico meeting um, my he would eventually he was my my wife's grandfather. We weren't married at the time, but he he was a research scientist and like he had been, and I was thinking, oh, in Mexico, like I wonder what his training was. Well, he went to Harvard, <laughs> and I was like, oh, okay, like you, you, you're Harvard trained, and and, and he was the like the assistant uh, for the for the health department for the for the country of Mexico. Um, he had he had actually invented the product that we used before um, penicillin was was um, made and and mass produced, and so like. This guy has patents after his name, brilliant research um, scientist. And so I asked him, I thought, okay, now here I'm dealing with, with an intellect. He's in who's who's, you know, Dr. Leon Lomeli. Uh, and so, uh, so if you look up Dr. Leon, you can find him. And so here's this brilliant person. And a lot of the intelligent people I knew had fallen out of the faith. And so I said, well, you know, as you learn more about about creation and about, uh, I didn't even think I said it this way. I said, as you learn more about science, is what I said at the time, um, and you begin to understand things more, does that, does that make you like believe less in God? Because now you know how things work. And he said, oh, no. It is the complete opposite of that. The more that I see the intricacy with which things are created, the more that I believe in the hand of God. Because this is so fearfully and wonderfully made. It's amazing what happens on a molecular level. And so from that, I was like, wow, like it struck me that he would have that, that wonder and awe. And so then, then it brings us to the next step. It's like, okay, you know, you have to go to mass. Okay. Well, it's what's have to mean, you know, it's our duty. What's our duty. We always think of our duty as a negative until you think of what, what mass is. Mass is the sacrifice 
of Calvary. And what is Calvary? It, Calvary is this greatest gift ever. To what? To bring us into eternal relationship with God so that we can enjoy his wonder forever. It's like, oh, well, like, so what is it? It's like the, the doorway to heaven. And, and, so, and so what are we doing at Mass? The word Eucharist, Eucharistia in Greek means thanksgiving. So what is our duty? Our duty is we're th- saying, thank you for your awesomeness. Thank you for your wonder. Thank you that you're going to offer something to us for eternity that's better than we can ever ask or imagine. And as a parent, like I totally get this. When I've sacrificed for my child and done good for them and I hand them something good, I want them for themselves to be grateful. Like, enjoy being grateful. Like, say thank you. And it's not just because thank you is the right thing to do. Thank you is the right way to be, <laughs> to be grateful. And that's what the Mass is, is it's, it's being grateful to God for the amazing gift that he gave us of our faith, of our life, of flowers, of like, of everything that you can imagine, of color, of music, you know, like all these great things that are out there are all gifts from him. And so this duty, you look at duty in a negative way, instead of this duty of like, I can't help but want to say thank you, God, for what you've done. And that's a whole different perspective on the mass than this is something you have to do. And that knowledge doesn't come from sitting around doing the day-to-day chores and, and living in society. The, the underpinning of all of this is we talked about briefly in, in the the last episode how parenting is, isn't just about you passing things on to your kids. It's also your kids training you in a sense. And one of the ways they train you is by asking questions you don't know answers to. You as a, as a I mean, you as a human being, God has given you an intellect and you have an obligation as a human being to like become the best version of yourself to, to take those talents and not bury them, but then but use them to increase them multiple times over you have a responsibility especially as a parent when it comes to the faith to continue growing in your faith because you can't teach your kids what what you don't know and even more deeply you can't convey to them pass on to them through all of those kind of like moments that you're not planning something that is not ingrained into your life yes yeah, and yeah and I, and I that is such a key point um, and it brings up this other aspect of Strong Catholic Dad, where we do the, the weekly guides for dads. And last night, we had done uh, the guide that's called uh, God's Love is Microscopically Penetrating. And, it's, uh, and the video in there, and actually, let me just set this up. So we haven't done the Strong Catholic Dad guide for the last like three weeks because things have ha- happened and we did this other program for one of the weeks. Um, and then it was just, it was busy and crazy. Um, and so I was like, gosh, you know, I, I need to get to it. And, and um, Maria was really um, supportive. She's like, yeah, you know, like, I'll, I'll help set you up for that. And I was like, okay, thank you. So, um, but none of the kids were <laughs> like, they're like, oh gosh, like, dude, and I, like, I got the litany from the older ones of like, well, okay, I've got to get this other schoolwork done. And is this going to just be like, you know, 15 to 20 minutes, or is this going to be the longer version? Cause it, it's always like all of these complaints. I was thinking, oh man, like I'm coming into this and it's going to be tough. Um, and so then we sat down, I said, well, there's only one video in this one. And then there's, you know, there's questions at the end. And the video was of this, the inner life of a, of a human cell. Um, and, it, and it used all this word, like, we didn't, even know, I, we didn't even know what they were saying. They were using words like, I have never heard before. Um, and it looks like another planet with all of these different particles 
working together. And, and there's this column that literally they, they talk about the uh, these microtubules that are formed by proteins and they form together and they create this tube in the middle of the cell. And then along this tube, this thing, this long stringy thing with looks like feet starts walking up the tube and it's carrying this like this big payload um, behind it and it's carrying it to to the outer edge of the cell wall. And the kids are like going, like, what is this again? This is one human cell? Like, yeah. And, and as they describe for seven minutes, <laughs> all the different activities that's happening um, and the DNA and the replication that's happening and like all of this movement, we, we're just stunned. And it's beautiful because it's colorful and they, they made different colors for the, for the different parts. Um, and then at the end of it, uh, so here, these kids who didn't want to sit down and, and spend the time um, are saying, well, that's pretty cool. Uh, and I was like, well, yeah, I thought it was pretty cool too. And it's like, um, what did you learn about the inner life of a cell? And they're like, well, we can't pronounce what happens in there. It's like, no, <laughs> like, no, we can't. Um, but then they went further and they're, and they're, and they're just saying like, like, gosh, how many different activities were happening there like there was a lot that was going on left and right and, and things breaking down and then reforming it's like yeah yeah there is and like what does this tell you about god and they were saying wow like uh god is doing things well beyond i can ever imagine and it's just like yeah and then a little uh uh, Mercedes said, well, like, how many cells are in, oh, actually, I think, uh, first of all, Vivian said, so like one of those little cells, like when I scratch like that, it could fall down and all that stuff's going on in there. Like, yeah, it's like, that's gross. It's like, okay. Um, yeah, that's what's in a cell. And then Mercedes said, how many cells are there in our body? And, and that was one of the questions in there. And so then we talked about like, there are 37 trillion, you know, how many zeros is trillion? You know, it's, it's 12 zeros. You know, it's like, there are 37 trillion cells in your body. That, that are all living like that. And in order for you to live, they have to not only do their activity themselves, they have to do that in conjunction with the other cells so that you don't die. <laughs> like, you know, like you'd have to have this orchestra in unison. Um, and so they were just, they were enthralled with that as, as was I. Um, and then the, the end of the lesson, you know, it was like, well, if God can make all of this work, I'm like, and, and actually I think it was Genevieve who said, uh, you know, like, I don't even think about like making my cells do that. Even moving my finger, like I don't think about moving my finger, I just move it. And all the, uh, she said, I read in my science, all of the the pathways that are going between my brain and my finger to make it move exactly where it needs to do. It was like, she's like, you know, it must be going really quickly, you know, back and forth so that I can move and think and eat and all these things. And and most of the stuff that goes in my body, goes on in my body, like I'm not even thinking about. And it's all happening and working perfectly. And I was just listening to her saying that going, yeah, you know, like, isn't that amazing? And they're like, yeah, that, that is amazing. And you could see that there was a delight that was happening in them from seeing what the awe of creation, the wonder of how God made one cell. And so the end of that lesson was really cool because then the last question is, okay, if you think that God can orchestrate all that activity within one human cell and then orchestrate all the human cells to make you and to make you be able to live and, and, and function and create and, and love and do all these amazing things. Um, don't you think that he could organize your life? Don't you think that he could, that his will might be worth following and that, uh, that he's got more under control than you can ever imagine? And they all just like, yeah. Like, I, yeah, I guess I can trust God because he can do this. He can take care of my, like my life is nowhere near as complicated as one human cell. So I use that as an example to say, um, first of all, as parenting, it's hard. You know, it's, it's like it's hard to pull the kids in and to enter into um, a conversation. But when we got into that conversation and there was that awe, they all, that, was like a, that was a faith lesson. It was easier to believe in God after seeing something that was 
almost impossible to believe, but we're being told it's true. Look under electron mi microscope and like all this stuff is happening. And some, and so if that's the case and God can do all that, then he can take care of us. He can love us like, yes, he can. This also brings up something that we kind of haven't touched about and or touched on in this whole discussion about what's open for debate, what's not, which is that sometimes some of these questions need to be addressed before they become questions. So maybe the six-year-old or seven-year-old asks, why do we have to go to mass every Sunday? Maybe if they're more like me, they kind of just roll with it. And it's not until they're in high school where somebody starts questioning that, that they like suddenly have the questions. And so if you as a parent are not taking the deliberate time to speak about faith and to, and to show that that your faith is intertwined with your reason and your faith and reason are intertwined with a sense of wonder, then you're missing out on an opportunity to kind of like lay those layers of foundation to help your child mature from the blind faith of a child whose reason has not fully formed into the kind of the more well-formed faith of a, of a older child, a young adult. Right. And, and for sure, um, they're going to be formed by someone and something. It's like, it's going to happen. <laughs> and so this, this, so this is actually something that, that blew my mind at one point I was praying with the better part from father, father Bartunic. And it was talking about, I don't remember the exact verse, but it was basically where Jesus says, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees. And it blew my mind because if you think of a human being as being dough, the only way dough turns into bread is through some sort of leaven. And there's this idea in society that you shouldn't indoctrinate your children. You should let them decide what they're going to believe. And it's like, no, they're going to either believe in, in the truth and take the truths of the faith and integrate them into their lives, or they're going to take the lies of the world and use that as the, the leaven, which helps them grow. And you as a parent have a responsibility to help them choose the right of those two things. And, and case in point, um, my pastor back in Indianapolis, Father Nagel told this story about how he was raised Catholic and ended up leaving the faith when he was 18 or 19. And people would ask him, like, how did you feel about the fact your parents basically forced you to be Catholic? Uh, especially given that you left the faith once you, you know, left the home. And what he said, which I will never forget, was my parents gave me contrast. They gave me a cohesive way of living my life. They enforced that in the house. They explained why. And I chose to reject it. But I could always ask myself once I had rejected it, am I happier now than I was then? And am I happier now than my parents are? Am I happier than these people who've accepted the faith? And ultimately, a couple years after leaving the faith, he realized I'm not happier now. And he came back to the faith and ended up becoming a priest. So that responsibility is, is even if the, even if you do everything right, even if you're, you know, giving the reasons and then you're, you know, you're giving them a sense of wonder, even if they choose to reject it, you've still fulfilled your responsibility and given them something that they can balance the rest of their life against. Right. And I, and I would say, um, in addition to that, uh, there's that whole question of like, okay, this is contrast. And what's the contrast? You pointed right to happiness. And I think, well, this goes back into the, the fruits of the Holy Spirit. Like, is there joy? You know, is there peace? And I think, is, is there love? And you look at those three um, top ones and realize, wow, um, you know, is there gentleness? Is there gratitude? And like, you look at all the, the, um, 
the fruits of the Holy Spirit. And those are all things that like we want, you know, like I want self-control, I want faithfulness, um, like I, I want those things. And most of all, I want peace and I want joy and I want love. And so I think that that's one of the, uh, back to your, your point of like, I need to be striving for this, for the to live the faith as well, to understand the faith as well, um, and to find, you know, through, through Christ, uh, through the church, through the Eucharist, through God, um, love, peace, and joy. And if I'm finding those things, my kids know that. They know what's true. <laughs> they know if I'm being an imposter or if I'm more joyful um, through this faithfulness that, that I've committed to. Am I more gentle? Am I more approachable? And so uh, living, that, living that, first of all, me seeking after that, um, and then for them to see that, that that's why it's not negotiable to um, when it comes to practicing the faith, because like because the fruit of it is joy, peace, and love, and it's like and that's totally what I want. And if I'm living that, it's going to be attracted to them, and they're going to want it too, and they're going to want to find out. Well, how do you get to it? And so, you know, back to your point, really well made in the beginning, is that it's one of the most important things to do is to enter into discussion about the non-negotiables um, as we're struggling with them too. There's times where it's like, gosh, I don't want to get up and, and go to mass, but what's the fruit of that? And I have examples where I've told the kids where uh, it happened again this morning, like I woke up and I was struggling as I went into morning prayer. And like the first, the second, the third line uh, were, were scripture verses I have read before and have been important to me for the last uh, 20 years. And they were right there in a row, three of my favorites right in a row. And they were all pointing me to um, to trusting. It's like, you, you need to trust right now. Like there's a darkness that's that's kind of coming over you. And like, I've got this, you know, all taken care of. And I just like, I relaxed and I felt peace. And that's one of the fruits. It's like, you know, thank you. Cause I wasn't feeling peace when I entered into this, into this prayer time. And that's something I want to communicate to my kids is to tell them, you will find peace, you will find joy, you will find love when you follow what the church has asked us to do. That's all we have time for today. If you like what you've heard on the podcast, please subscribe, leave a five-star review and encourage your friends and family to do the same. If you wanna support the work of Strong Catholic Dad, you can become a monthly sponsor for as little as $5 a month. I quit my job back in 2018 uh, to found Strong Catholic Dad. And as of right now, it's not enough to pay the bills. So anything that you can do is appreciated. Until next time, be strong in faith, strong in hope, and strong in love. God bless.